0: Welcome to the Sogro Marketing Council podcast. The Sogro Marketing Council is a membership organization comprised of growing marketers who want to stay ahead of developments in multiple areas of marketing. This podcast features recordings of Sogro Marketing Council meetings. Tune in to hear expert marketers share tips and discuss the latest strategies and tools in marketing. To join the next meeting and be part of the discussion yourself, visit sogrowpr.com that's s-o-w-g-r-o-w-p-r.com and click on the marketing council tab let's get growing
1: welcome to the Sogrow marketing council we have a couple other people that should be joining so i'll just let them come in and join right in but we'll do our tips with our group um the SOGRO marketing council is a membership organization that brings together Marketers from multiple fields of marketing, um, all experienced people that you know can really share their tips and insights, and we can have great conversations and learn lots of things um, about what's going on in other fields of marketing. So we also do a podcast, which is a really great way to stay up on you know the latest things that are going on. Um, and uh, my name is Sarah Stewart I'm with Sober PR. Stephanie's not here today; she's out sick, and. We'll go probably in order of Scott, Rebecca, Joel, me, next people.
2: So good morning, everyone. My name is Scott Siegel. I'm a founding partner of Momentum CPJ. So my tip for the day is I want you to think about the Rolling Stones. Think about Mick Jagger. I'm going to date myself. In 1989, I saw the Rolling Stones steel uh, tour concert at the old Foxborough Stadium. Well, I got there early because traffic around Boston is a nightmare. So I got there around six o'clock. And the Rolling Stones were practicing at six o'clock. The Rolling Stones were practicing at six o'clock. If you think about how many shows they they have done in their career, why were they practicing? Well, they were practicing because they wanted to make sure that they gave the best show so the eighty thousand fans that paid that paid to see that performance. And if you ever seen the Rolling Stones at concert, it's an event of a lifetime. So if you think about the Rolling Stones, to think about your business, think about you going on a sales call. How prepared are you for that sales call? Do you know what your best action commitment is and what your objective is? Does everyone? who's going to that call have a role? Does everyone understand what their role is? So if you think about the Rolling Stones, every meeting that you have, you want at the end of the day for any one of your clients or customers to say, that is a meeting I would have paid for. Think about Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones warming up at six o'clock in 1989. That is my tip for the day.
1: Is so true. <laughs> yep, you've got to like mm-hmm. have everything, all the ducks in a row, lots of practice. Um, and
3: they tried, and they tried, and they tried, and they tried. They can't get no. <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah. Think about all the times you've been in a meeting, and something happens. Like today. Or someone says the wrong thing, and you've worked on that business for a year.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And in a matter of 10 seconds, everything you've done in that past year literally goes out the window.
1: It's amazing Mm -hmm. how how often it is thinking on your feet, like with it's like Mm -hmm. all the preparation and then knowing, okay this can go wrong. This can go wrong. This can go wrong. This go wrong. wrong, And how to respond to those different whether the client's giving pushback or technical issue or,
2: you know, even one little tip is let's (laughs) let's say you have an hour. One of the things I go through with, what if we only have 20 minutes? How many times have you been in a meeting and someone says, you know, Rebecca, it's really busy. I got like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Part of that pre-planning should be, what are the two to three pages you go to if you only have 15 minutes? So as in anything in life, great athletes, right? They're prepared for that moment. It doesn't take that long. It's all about getting in a good habit, understanding roles and responsibilities. If you can do that, right, you can be like Mick Jagger.
0: So Scott, that's, that's what I was going to ask is what are some specific techniques for that preparation? Because I can think of, you, you know, yeah. build your agenda, role playing, but even things like how do you prepare to improvise, for example?
2: So what, what we do is we create everything I try to create on one page. Mm-hmm. Because I, in a very nice way, I want everyone to be clear and concise and get it on one page. Because mm-hmm. if you have multiple pages, right. that's a complexity. So, the way that we do it, Rebecca, is we literally go through who's going to attend that meeting, what the role is, who is going to attend that meeting from the client, what is important to that client, um, what are some red flags that they are going to bring up, what are some, how are we going to handle that if they bring that up. Yeah. Then, within that document, we build out the agenda of the meeting. Everyone is aligned, right? It's all on one page. Everyone's seeing the same thing. Then we literally go through on who's going to ask what question. Okay. Then the other section is, believe it or not, this all fits on one page. Mm-hmm. Then, to your point, if someone, or Sarah, to your point, if someone brings up an objection, and you should know what it's going to be, who's going to answer it? So if you go through that process, mm-hmm. your role play. You meet two weeks ahead of time, you meet a week out, and you go through that, right? You can handle anything that comes up in that meeting. It's really, as a leader, it's setting that expectation. Everyone's on the same page. Everyone sees the same document. It works. It works like magic.
0: Thank you.
1: Wonderful. Um, Rebecca, do you want to share a tip? And then Joel, you can share a tip and I will. And Mo, welcome. Welcome to the group. I just wanted to wave at you. I'm glad you could come.
4: Yes. Thank you for having me. Rebecca invited me. So uh, I know Scott from Provisors. So yes. Uh, so this is great.
0: So I'm excited to be here.
1: Awesome. Cool. Excellent. All right. So Rebecca?
0: Thank you, uh, I'm Rebecca Britzi. I'm a management consultant and my tip for today may in feed into uh, part of what Scott was saying. My tip for today is to disabuse ourselves of the notion that clients do not know what they want. Uh, I hear this often and I heard it recently, which is what brought it front of mind of service providers, particularly in marketing, not exclusively, saying that clients don't know what they want and it is inherent upon us to educate them or to enlighten them as to what they want. My position is that clients know very well what they want. What clients struggle with is understanding what they need. And this is where that miscomprehension happens. Now, this is particularly true in marketing because marketing specializations are very technical. And so when clients approach a service provider, their thought is, I'm approaching the service provider. I must speak to them about their service. So let's use an example of an SEO provider. If the client is speaking to an SEO provider, their preparation is likely to be something like, I need to talk to the SEO provider about keywords and landing pages and how I want to trend and these sorts of things that are not the client's expertise. And so they approach that SEO provider and start talking about things that are not their technical expertise. And so it sounds like they don't know what they want. But the reality is that the client does not want keywords and landing pages and so forth what the client wants is to be found on the internet they want to be found by the right prospects they want to be found early in that research journey they want to make a good first impression they want to inspire action those are all the things that the client wants seo is a means to an end seo is the vehicle through which the client achieves that The client remains the expert in their own business, in their desires and their aspirations and their preferences, which is that outcome. So for service providers to properly understand and separate what clients want from what clients need, it is inherent upon the service provider to delve deeper with the client. When the client first approaches and starts talking about things that are not their expertise, it's up to us to understand that and move past that to understand what the client is envisioning after we've left the room, after our work is complete, and the client is seeing the results of that work, and that's the separation between what clients want, which is whatever puts a smile on their face, and even if they can't articulate it perfectly, it's there, and it's up to us to extract it, and separate that from what they need, which is our technical expertise. That's the only area in which we should be educating our clients is on how to achieve those things and what we're going to do for them. And the tip, uh, the further tip that I can share for doing this is if you struggle to do this or you're not sure where to start, one way is to pick four or five clients at random and take a sheet of paper for each client and draw a line down the middle. And one column, you're going to write the wants and the other one the needs. And the easiest way to start this is to probably write down what the client needs, because again, that is your expertise, and then the corresponding want. So if they need, you know, these keywords, why? It's because they want this particular outcome and so on. So um, I like that I was able to come right after Scott because I think that that's probably pertinent to part of the exercises. And it sounds similar to some of the ways that you're thinking about preparing for those meetings, understanding clients inherently so that you can guide conversation even when the unexpected happens.
1: Yep. How um, do you find uh, that it's difficult to take clients through that journey ever like to understand if if maybe what your vision of what they need or how they can accomplish it is different than your clients or do you just ride out with what they want? Yeah, maybe it, it, change your vision to what they
0: want. Exactly. I think that last thing you said is, is part of that challenge because we go in either with a certain expectation or we go in thinking about what we do and trying to fit everything they're saying into that box of what we do. So um, part of the, the tip that I could give there is to craft a conversation around language that is not technical. Um, so again, if you think of the SEO provider, you know, go into that meeting and make sure none of your questions include the word keyword um, or include the term landing page. And even if people know what these things are, you really want the client to not be talking or thinking about that. And it's, I think it's good for the service provider as well to break out of that for a second and embed themselves more in the client's language. So that's one way to do it, is to really review the meeting preparation or the intake, uh, whatever the case may be for any type of jargon, um, even, even vague jargon, so to speak, You know, things that are common words, but within the context of this conversation, they become jargon.
1: Very cool. That makes
0: sense. All
1: right. Joel, you wanna share a tip?
3: Hi, guys. Uh, yes, I'd like to share a tip. Um, I want to tell you about problems this morning. Um, and it's not my problem, and it's not my client's problem. It's a problem with this realm that you've heard me speak about a little bit called structure.
1: Oh, I'm yes, a mallet.
3: OK, but nope, you guys haven't seen my series on whack-a-mole, right? my my business insight series. Okay. I'm having fun with this and it's, I'm taking some insights that I've learned. Actually, it's really interesting with with the green screen, my my whack-a-mole thing is is kind of disappearing, I see. So people are playing, sometimes people are playing business whack-a-mole. What's business whack-a-mole? Let me tell you a little bit about it and And why is it um, a, a good idea not to do it even if it's done with the best of intentions? This is my visual prop. It's, it's very expensive. So um and and also'll' I, I, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll post a link uh, to the series if you guys are interested. but this is uh, uh post number four, insight number four, that I that comes from my own experience and from the training that I got from a guy named Robert Fritz who I've studied uh, with extensively. So, um, what happens in business is problems come up, and actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go right to a um, to to a visual, um, but but I, and just well, actually, just give me one second. The best example of a good way of solving a problem is a cu- is customer journey mapping. What do you do? You, you put together uh, a, a, a serious meeting of people who understand customers. Preferably, you put together a couple of customers in there, too who know what they're doing. And you discuss like where they're at. What do they do? What do they want to buy? Uh, where are they at in any particular stage of the buying process? And in the best case scenario these days, somebody comes up with a really good app to deal with it. And you poke your buttons and you find your way through it. And if it's a good app, then it's you're having a great customer experience because it's just easy to to do, you know, and you can solve your own problem and everything is great. So I want to I want to I want to share with you another way that that's that happens. Um, can I get it? Can I get the screen, uh, Sarah?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um...
3: I put together something that I actually had a really good time with last night.
1: You should be able to share.
3: Yep, coming up, coming up. Um, ah, okay. So um, I want to I want to describe this problem of of um, of problems. Normally, we get this problem and we've got to deal with it. It's like a hot potato. You you just don't know what to do with it, or you just want to start taking action on the problem. Um, Is there anything wrong with that? I mean, why would you not want to solve a problem? It makes sense to solve the problem. It's crazy not to solve the problem. It's bad for business not to solve the problem. You solve the problem. The problem is is when you have re- reoccurring problems, okay? And when a problem keeps on coming up, this comes out a lot where Where, where is it? Wait where, where did it go? There it goes. Aha, This comes out a lot. The whack-a-mole. so you're you're smashing problems all the time. you're you're going you're going after them. but but it's funny how how the light hits this. Um. You're smashing problems all the time, and you're trying to kill them. You're trying to destroy them. Let me explain how that works. We got a problem. So what do we do? Of course, you take some action to solve the problem. When you once you do some kind of of uh, way of dealing with it, you try you try to get rid of it. you, you don't want the problem. It's not something that you like. So what does that cause? If I take, I got a problem and I'm taking some action to solve the problem, what what's the What's the most likely effect that that action will take? Well, you have less of the problem. I mean, if you're taking any kind of decent action, you, you, that'll make sense and you'll go there. Okay, great. So now got a little less of a problem. I'm glad I took some action. I'm a hero now. Okay, so where does that lead? I, I have less of a problem because I took some action. Where does that go? Okay. I don't have to take as much action because I'm ready solving the thing. So everything is hunky dory. Did I ever use that phrase ever in my life? Everything is great. Okay. And you don't have to take as much action because you have less a problem. So then what? Okay, so what happens is is as you go through this cycle of, I got a problem, I take action to get rid of it. The action has caused the problem to decrease because I've already taken some effective action. I'm great. And now I have lesser problem. Great, so what happens? Less action brings back the problem because I don't have as much effort. It's easier for the problem to reoccur. There's less pushback against it. This cycle happens very often in business, not all the time, but you will see often when a business leader is solving the same problem again and again, that you realize, wait a second, this is what you might call a recurring problem. Okay, great, so if it's recurring and you keep on doing it again, you keep on taking out the yellow mallet and you play whack-a-mole, you're, A, you're you are wasting your time, B, you're not giving the best customer service possible, you know, it's just it's 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 not the thing you want to do. You want to put into place a structure that works. you what you want to do is you want to create a result like a um, an app that solves a problem in customer journey mapping. That's like an example. It's the best example that I could think of that just helps you get through it real quick. So that's a proactive response that helps you address the problem with a solution orientation as opposed to whacking it and playing whack-a-mole again and again and again and again. And if you can do that, your business is more efficient, all your strategy, branding, marketing, HR, management, whatever actions are much more efficient if you're not playing the same game again. So this uh, particular tip is if you've got a recurring problem, don't keep on whacking it and playing the game of whack-a-mole, but Actually, create a solution instead of solving a problem. The end.
1: Love that. Love that. That is so good, and happens in so you know in life, and then also just in strategies. Um, I love that post in the series that you were doing about you know people people taking a step back and really thinking about their brand strategy before they run out there and try to you know get ahead and you know sell a bunch of stuff they've really got to think about the story and get at all of that set um but we can sort of get into our habits of spinning our wheels and just trying to keep things going um and not always realize okay maybe I need to rethink this maybe we need to and not we but an organization
3: absolutely yeah
1: Good stuff. Awesome. So, Does um, I, else
3: have a... go ahead. I, 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 I just say um, I would love your feedback on the series that I wrote. Uh, I'm up to I posted number four. Number five will go tomorrow. Um, the first one is on how do you how do you approach strategic thinking.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So, you know how do you even begin to think about strategic thinking? The second one is is strategic thinking a generative engine? Is it actually generating something? Or is it what I just love to call three ring binder babble? Is it just there and just sits there and and it doesn't mean anything? Mm -hmm. The the next one after that, uh, three is about branding. And this one is about whack-a-mole. The next one will be more uh, marketing options uh, orientation, but it really, it really should start with strategy leads to branding, leads to marketing. And there's, that's really the only good way to do it.
1: Yep. We've definitely I've dealt with clients that are sort of stuck in just trying to send out things in all kinds of different directions. And it comes back to that core, not understanding, you know, what their what is their brand story, what is their target market, you know, what are they doing?
3: 100 percent Yep. Yep. Thanks, guys. Awesome.
1: All right, guys, so um, I'll share a tip. My name is Sarah Stewart. I'm an account manager with Sogor PR and I'm our social media expert. Um, I've got about 15 years in the marketing industry and different communications roles um, with some media background and then also public relations and digital marketing. So I'm gonna share my screen. I've got a tip today about engagement, um, which is something that we're always working on trying to get engagement in social media marketing. Um, so let me share my screen. All right, so um, successful community engagement. Um, this is so important. This is, you know, kind of your key to social media success. Uh, clicks, likes, shares, um, all of those things are engagement. It, you know, it's really, you know, feeling like the stuff that you put out. Is um, being received. It's getting comments. It's generating excitement. All that type of stuff. Uh, engagement matters. Um, people use social networks um, so that they can connect with people and brands. Um, it's a you know, it's an interactive. It's two-way street. Um, this is also engagement is typically one of the main um, measures in terms of return on investment. It's a measure in terms of your content strategy when you're you know, thinking about the types of posts that you should be posting, um, the types of content that is most successful. Um, Also, posts that have high engagement typically get more engagement. It's like a snowball that starts rolling. So once you can tap into engaging your audience, um, your target audience, and getting those likes and comments and things like that, those posts will be boosted. Um, organically, and your profile will be boosted, you know, and show up more often in those fans or followers or people's feeds. So, very important. Three ways to boost, or four ways to boost engagement. Um, Know your audience. So, anytime that I'm starting to write, you know, social media content for someone, and we typically write content about a month in advance, and it's, it's, it's a little bit grueling, because it's like you're sitting here, and you're thinking, what are people going to be talking about, you know, a week from now, two weeks from now, three weeks from now? You're looking at holidays, you're looking at events, you're looking at sporting events, you're looking at the weather, um, (laughs) you know, and, you know, just trying to think what's going to be the topics that are most interesting. Um, And so you can kind of get wrapped up in that. And then also with social media posts, it's like you're trying to make everyone spicy or interesting or funny, like, let me come up with a really great 150 character idea real quick and put that stamp in there and then let me do it again real quick, put it in there. Um, and you, it's really important when you're doing that process, go read the pages that you're writing for. <laughs> and I know that that sounds like, um, you know, obvious. But really, you need to be thinking about your audience when you're doing your writing. So go in there and read the comments. Look at the people that are following. Think about those targeted people that you're wanting to reach. Go look at the content and the analytics for the top posts that are performing the best. And really think about those things because it's so important that your tone um, remains conversational when you're writing those posts and that you're keeping those people in mind so that you're inviting that two-way conversation. And that you're not, um, that that your content doesn't fall flat. You know, you really want to keep that. I'm actually talking to a person and I'm not just a public relations firm behind this company writing content for them. Um, So next, uh, create conversational content, um, questions, um, spark discussions, provide insight. Um, Something I've been doing lately is like um, asking questions like, you know, you know, we, we uh, for one like consumer product company, um, it's a butcher, meat supply, that type of thing. And so for holidays we will be like, you know, your favorite side item to go with this menu is one, two, three, four. And it just sparks, you know, a conversation about that side item. You know, that could also go into, you know, another company that does packaging or corrugated packaging. And you could say, you know, what is, um, the best way to you know get attention in a busy retail environment and it could be you know go big um, bold colors uh creative designs that are outside the box and stand apart from the competition whatever just giving ideas so that people are drawn in and they're having those conversations with you popular events too always um on social media social media is fun people are scrolling through social media while they're watching TV or, you know, as a way to kind of release steam from their everyday. So pick up on those sporting events, you know, UGA wins the national championship, post something about it. The Braves have a major win, you know, you can throw in a post that you, that's, you know, relevant or something like we have one company and it's, um, it's a very community based company, Um. And they love to, you know, if the Braves have a win, go Braves. They have some employees with some hats or they have a Braves hat day. Those type of things, those get great engagement. And that look makes the company look good and also gets the employees excited and engaged with the social media profiles. Um, videos and animations, posts, reels, videos, shorts. Um, I'm sure all of y'all have been uh trying this a little bit more and more. The stories are at the top. They're seen first. Um, it's really a great way to keep your brand in front of people's eyeballs. Um, and they don't, you know, the, sh- the stories expire or you can save them to your profile. Uh, Instagram has its own version of stories. Facebook has stories. Um, they each have like short short uh, video formats. Um, even YouTube has a short video formats, but that quick you know, quick type of attention getter, um, is very popular and really great for engagement. So if you haven't exper- experimented with that format yet, consider experimenting with it, you know, try putting some content out there, take a, you know, as a 2 person, or, you know, you could always do a video tip. Rebecca does a lot of video tips that are really great, that are really short. You know, just um, and trying to, it doesn't have to be polished. It actually should not be too polished because that kind of in the moment, I mean, it needs to be polished enough, but that in the moment feel of the video is often what connects with people and people feel like, oh, I'm getting a behind the scenes look at this. So, last thing tag partners, tag fans, tag employees, tag people if you can, recruit, you know. Get everyone to comment on your post because the more engagement that your post gets, the higher it's going to go up in that algorithm for whatever social media platform that you are on. So it's worth doing. Um, another thing, if you've got a client you know that you're working on, do some research on influencers that might be specifically beneficial to that client. Um, that one company that does um, is a butcher with like um, meat production and things like that. We've been researching some different uh, chefs and restaurants and online influencers uh, that have a really good following and thinking of ways that we can engage them um, and kind of get some, you know, going back and forth, give and take in terms of the, you know, the person's product and the meats and that chef and their audience. So, you know, this is a really wonderful way to tap into social media and get some big wins for your brand. So I've got some resources here. Um, I'm gonna put this whole slideshow in the chat so you guys can have it. Um, Google Trends, I'm sure y'all are familiar with that. That's just sort of what people are talking about. This is um, a Hootsuite blog about social media algorithms. It's about organic reach. Uh, the Sogro PR forum is where we put our tips. Feel free to add your tips there and you can also look at previous tips like this one. And you can always reach out to me if you have questions.
3: Um, at Sarah at SoGrowPR.com. Does anyone have any questions? Yes, uh, Sarah. What anything that you found uh, either con- uh, in content or technically that really just helps you break through problems in social posts? Uh, the
1: videos and the stories. If you can do that in an interesting way, um, I think. Joel, you're so great with the props, Um, you know, people, you know, I I think that you could have some fun with that if you figure out the right, right way to balance it. Um, I know it's great. (laughs) So um, those stories and those type of things that are top of the page, that's really useful. Um, And then also like having, you know, those people that you can, those influencers or other people, like you've been using the marketing council lately and I'm kind of commenting on your stuff. I mean, that's because it starts when people start commenting on something, it shows up in more people's feed and then it automatically gets more. There's like, it's like a 30 minute window where if it doesn't get a comment, a lot of posts organically, it actually goes back and is like the unloved post. I mean, you're just like, why, why? It's a great post, but um So those are my tips like if you're going to put something out, you know, see if you've got some people that can go in and like it pretty quickly and comment on it quickly and then video.
2: Cool, thanks. Yeah, Sarah, you mentioned what Rebecca does. What I love about Rebecca's posts every week, they're consistent, they're simple, Uh, she adds a level of humor Mm -hmm. and they're very authentic. So, everything Rebecca, you talked about was understanding who the the audience is. There's no strategic marketing, strategic leadership. She keeps it. It's very relevant to the audience. you that you do a great job with that, Rebecca.
1: Mm-hmm. yep. And there's bite-sized pieces, you know, and then it, it's always that you know bring bringing that entertainment value to it. Um, you know, but also keeping it it's it, you know, it's a it's a game we're all like working at it <laughs> you know so this much content this much information this much professionalism keep it humorous not too formal not too informal hey no pressure guys
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. so anyway awesome um no i just do you want to at least share um a little bit about yourself
4: yeah, sure. Um, I'm so glad that you talked about social media. I had a tip for social media, actually. So um, oh,
1: well, do you want to share a tip?
4: Yeah, I, I will share like not the extent that you guys went in, but just a little bit of uh, something that I came across, but a little bit about me. I do video production and um, I do content only video production and live streaming and uh, which is we do the production of the content and not do any strategy. So that's where I need help with people like you guys who does the marketing stuff. So I uh, partner with a lot of marketing agencies and advertising agencies and um, help them to produce that video production content. Uh, so we do social media uh, videos. We do explainer videos. We do uh, branding videos on the video side, uh, website videos, that anything that helps you to connect to your audience. And then on the live streaming side, we do webinars. Um, you know, We do webinars, um, we do company meetings and any uh, live stream stuff that needs to be branded um, and hybrid events. So we do how we set ourselves apart. We do everything very branded uh, when it comes to hybrid events and even when uh, during webinars. Um, so that's a, I have a little sh- sh- small team of uh, four people. And uh, what's we, the name of the company? It's Aramba, A-A-R-A-M-B-A. And we are um, some of our best clients are small business owners, medium sized businesses, nonprofits, and a lot of women owned businesses as well, um, and. A little bit about me, I used to work in Bollywood. I actually uh, was in India, I moved here in 2001. So a lot of my production experience comes from working from movies. So I try to get that cinematic feel to my videos um, and then um, bring that knowledge over here. I've been here 20 years, did my MFA and then um, started working. I've only done films, videos all throughout. I taught films and I started my production company around 2017, so. That's a little bit about me and, but uh, regarding the tip, I was taught, it's very interesting. I was reading through this LinkedIn article and about predictions and it says how we are going to uh, move away from this big uh, social media platforms. And actually we are going to, uh, you know, think about that community, Sarah, that you mentioned. And actually we are going to, put more thought into how we can create more organic communities where people are listening to you and you're creating that one-on-one. So some of the new platforms that are becoming pretty, um, uh, you know, has been doing some good work is Be Real. um, uh, And then We Are Eight. They are two very um, engaging platforms. Be Real, I know my daughter uses it. um, And uh, she's, she, it, it's got a 315% increase according to this article. And the member base has increased um, a ton between just January and April alone. And We Are Eight is a very social media company which allows eight minutes of scrolling time. I think it's a Australia based company. And it is allowing to create that niche platforms so that you don't have to chase, you know, Sarah, you know how we chase behind those algorithms, which the goal post is shifting all the time. Like, oh, should we do short form? Should we do long form? Should we do 40 seconds? What is that right number? But I think um, these platforms will kind of change that dialogue a little uh, definitely where we are able to actually give a more organic reach to the smaller businesses. Um, it's not going to happen in the next 12 months, but it will happen slowly.
1: It has been so hard for small businesses, like to get organic so hard. Yes. Um, so that's interesting. And I would, I'm going to look up those and like follow that trend. Cause I think that is very much
4: needed.
3: Mo, does the uh, name Aramba have a meaning behind it?
4: It does. It means start. Uh, It's a Hindi word. It's a Sanskrit word and um, Aramb means start. And then we added the A so that it kind of rolls off the tongue a little more easily. (laughs) Thank you. Nice.
1: Love it. Love it. Very cool.
4: Yeah, so there are it's some a, more platforms like uh, Discord, Master, and Discord, a lot of you have heard, it's very yes. popular among um, younger uh, uh, folks. My they,
1: kids are obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah. is
3: it yes. is, Mo, is the style of the of the content on these platforms any different than the rest of social media?
4: So it is, so what I have, um, so Be Real allows one photograph a day, at, and it has to be very, uh, not very polished. So you're kind of doing, you know, sitting at your desk and you just take a picture and post it. So Be Real is much more um, not so professional what we have actually watched in other platforms. Whereas We Are Real, um, uh, we, Re- we Are Eight is much more a professional looking uh, platforms as well. So I haven't been a part of these yet because it's a lot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, right?
4: So, Every uh, time they
1: come up with a new platform, I'm like, why? <laughs> why are you doing this to me?
4: But I love the idea behind it though. I think I hope this takes off and it's we don't have we we are not uh kind of you know governed by the Facebooks and the YouTubes and the Googles. So mm,
1: yeah, yeah. What do you think about TikTok?
4: Ooh, I do not like it. <laughs>
1: And in India, isn't it banned in India? Yeah. Yeah. So
4: the data privacy. I And I think we just, we have a, such a strong relationship of hate and love with China. So it's just, we hate everything uh, and we are neighbors. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> we do not like China very strongly. So that's TikTok is definitely banned. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I've, I've got, um, of all of our clients, I have one client who's um, wanting to do TikTok and start, and, I, and I'm sort of, for a while, I fought it. I'm like, how is this going to be monetized? Like, what, aside from branding and just general, like, entertainment value, and they're posting some things, and they've got, like, a young intern that kind of understands that whole genre, et cetera, and she's able to make some videos And then we're able to, what is good is we get the content, we download the videos from TikTok and then share them to other platforms. So you get free short videos with music and things like that. Um, And it seems like, but it seems like TikTok has less licensing restrictions. The music that they allow is like all kinds of music where Facebook only gives businesses specific. And so you could get into trouble if you post something, like we had one post that was super popular because it was a popular song. And I was like, ooh, that makes me nervous because the song, we didn't license the song or anything like that, so.
4: Yeah, I agree. It is going to be very interesting to see how TikTok expands and how um, America kind of um, agrees to a lot of the data sharing that will happen because it doesn't stay with in America anymore. It is going to China, so.
1: Right, Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. Awesome. I have a I question for, for Sarah and Mo, actually, uh, on the social stuff. Are we headed towards more restrictions, more like European standard, or are we going to plow ahead because we are Facebook and we are we are big?
4: So it, I watched this really good talk on. Uh, on the TV the other day, and it talked about how we really need a change. We do need a change in that social media. We need to have some uh, really strong restrictions in place. Otherwise, it's not going to um, work out on a, in our favor. It's almost like the cigarette industry, like you know how we did not realize how nicotine was so. We realized it was bad for you, but we didn't do anything for it for a very long period of time, and. The same thing with social media. We have something in place in, in the Constitution 1952 or something, or 1970, something like that, and that needs to change and we need to put some really strong restrictions because otherwise we will have something very bad to deal with later.
1: I think the sentiment, Joel, is definitely more de- it, that we're heading to more control because it's data privacy, um, cyber security is becoming more and more important, and then the whole thing even stuff in the media where I mean there was the fake news for a while, and then now it's the whole thing about Twitter and how that was all convoluted and you know whatever. It's like I think the sentiment is that there needs to be some type of I don't know.
3: You know, it's something strikes me. It's really interesting. Um,
1: governing, you know, something I don't know. Sorry. Go ahead. No.
3: No, it's a thought that just strikes me. Um, have a number of specialty areas and one of them is direct marketing I'm certified I have worked for some top advertising agencies in direct marketing the the um the sentiment in direct marketing with email lists and direct mail uh uh lists was leave me alone I'm private don't you know don't uh don't sell my list don't use my list don't don't flood my inbox don't flood my mailbox don't, don't leave me alone then it went to, sure, I'll, I'll tell you uh, my dog's name and uh, my mom's date of birth. if if you'll uh, give me the stuff that I want, please, you know, I I've, I've, you know, give me the injection right now of 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 your drug and I'll give you whatever you want. right now, thank you. And I won't read your terms of service. I'll sell uh, you know, blah blah blah. Now we're coming back around again to give me a break. there's it's just too much. So it's an interesting uh, series of cycles that I think we've you know gone through.
1: Right. Yep. Yep. I wonder if we're going to come full full circle and it's going to be like we're we social media is in, about engagement and at first it was about having your own platform to sort of tell your story and then advertising came in and it's more of the advertisement and then as it's morphed from storytelling to photo to video are we just going to have tv is it the same (laughs) is it going to social media at the end of the day it's just going to be broadcasting um so yeah anyway all right guys does anyone um think i i just want to thank everybody for coming today to the sober marketing council um respect everyone's time as we're getting close to the end mo i'm so glad that you came and shared it was super great to hear from you um, definitely, yeah. share your emails and things like that. Let's
0: all. Thank you for listening to the SOGRO Marketing Council podcast. Want to be part of our next meeting? Visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com. And click on the Marketing Council tab to sign up for our next event. Until next time, keep growing.